This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Scarlett Hildebeidel talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, and with me as always are Dave and Scarlett. Guys, how's it going? I always let Dave answer first. You go first, Dave. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's time for Scarlett to answer first. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, you need to say Scarlett and Dave and just kind of, I'll be the awkward pause guy at the end. How about that? That that sounds even yeah. better. I love it. Good, but good. I might I might not know how I feel till I hear how other people feel. What does that mean about me? <laughs> I don't know. Are you, are you? I just woke up. I don't know. It's very early today. Scarlett, what's your, what, true. We, we haven't gone Enneagram on you. What, what are um, you? I'm a three wing four. Three wing four. Okay. All right. You were sounding like a nine there, which I am. So yes, uh, you are a nine. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like nines. My one of my closest friends is a nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty. We're right. pretty I'm. I'm gonna keep enjoying being a You're a five, um, right? five wing chicken. I knew you were a five. <laughs> I knew you were a five. Okay. Man, I don't know how, right. how am I doing? I'm doing I'm doing well. I don't know. I'm kind, you know, I'm all over the place. I think we all are, right? <laughs> I'm all over right. the place. Uh I think so. I mean, everyone's an ex- existentialist now. Yes. So that's challenging. <laughs> um no one knows what day or time it is. Um we're all questioning the meaning of time and dates and <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm doing. And everything else. And our guest today is also questioning her her decision to actually be on this episode of our show. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. It's my fault. No. I I'm an eight. H. That's all I'm saying. Oh, you're an eight. <laughs> I like eights too. I like Absolutely. I like eights, fives, and nines. My favorites. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know how in life you kind of need some healthy tension. Well, I'm grateful for the eights because you keep me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always I tell my eight friends I feel I feel very comfortable being told what to do and I feel like eights are in charge in a way that is very comfortable for me. Right. I on. like that about eights. Karen, do you agree with all this? Um I agree that I'm comfortable being in charge. <laughs> no i'm really not into this my students made me take the test a long time ago and whatever Mm. and but i'm you know when i took it it was like yeah yeah i'm definitely an eight don't know anything about the wings but i'm an eight yeah 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 i I love it when it's just kind of obvious they're delicious with buffalo sauce it's fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh God, Karen. Yes, we Karen. So welcome back. We were just talking before we started recording about Mm -hmm. uh, a year ago, roughly. We were at uh, the Gospel Coalition recording with Barnabas at that time, um, and in a hallway Mm because we were struggling to find a good, quiet place. And and it worked out okay. Um, But Mm -hmm. no, it was uh, it was fun. And I know we talked a lot at that time about on reading well because it just released. And um, uh, a quick note on that, which, first of all, it's fun to see a book that even released a year before people are still talking about and commenting on. I mean, I've just noticed like and so many works we all work in publishing in some form. It is fun to see a conversation continuing on that people are discovering, recommending. And I I would say on reading well passes that uh, that test. So well done. Um, you oh, can, thank you. It's been very gratifying. And yeah, 
encouraging. Yeah, I actually I have I, I realized uh, you know we're we're doing one of those drive by uh, birthday celebrations for one of the one of the girls' teachers today, and so I am delivering a copy to on reading well to them because they uh this this guy is a we get we talk books all the time he's just a voracious reader and uh good old will bit will mitchell so happy birthday to him and he will uh i guess well he will have received it by the time this book so so there you go but uh but yeah no it's a it's a it's a it's a fun read so tell us real quick karen since you know our listeners certainly have stayed pretty up to date with you but uh you I presume are still will be in the middle of a finishing up at Liberty, but you also have a change coming this year, correct? Do you want to share a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, I'm um I am finishing my 21st year of teaching at Liberty University. Um, never thought it would end this way. Um, teaching through <laughs> Zoom and uh, in a quarantine. That's very, very surreal. Um but I'll be finishing up and then making a transition this summer to my new position as research professor of English and Christianity and culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Mm, love it. Awesome. Congratulations. That's Thank you. Yes, congratulations. Are they, um, are they letting you, are you going to be continuing to work from your current location or are they having you relocate or I'm just curious. Yeah, they, yeah no, they, um, of course they, they really wanted, um, me to relocate, but my husband's, uh, really can't leave his job and, but we'll be able to retire in a few years. So we're, I'm just going to commute for the first few years and, um, teach intensives. They're very flexible that way. Um, we think it'll work out at least, you know, for the, for the time being. Um, and so that way we can stay on the farm here and, um, kind of ease into the transition. Um, but I can still teach on campus and just travel back and forth a few times. So that's fantastic. It is. That's yeah, they're they're good people over at uh, at Southeastern. They really are. So I'm <laughs> I'm really glad that they're they're setting you up well. Thank you. Uh, what are you going to miss most about just teaching it? Uh, well, just teaching at Liberty. Well, you know the rhythm will be different because I it's a research professor post, uh, so it has a reduced teaching load. So I'll really be teaching half as many classes as I do now at Liberty, and then being that distant. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, will miss the day-to-day campus life that I have. I love, I mean, mm-hmm. I love school. I've loved school since kindergarten. I never wanted to leave. That's why I'm mm-hmm. teaching because I just, I love school and everything about it. And for me, that's mm-hmm. being there, you know, uh, on campus in the classroom. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as you know, because I'm on this program right now, um, the Lord has, has already brought big changes in my life. So I actually, because I travel and speak and write, I've already been in a different rhythm. Um, my life looks very different now than it did when I began teaching at Liberty 20 years ago and I was teaching five classes and I was in the office every day, all day. Um, you know, so I, I am doing other things and this new post, even though it will be different, uh, will fit into what I, better into what I really believe God has, uh, the path that he's forged for me. Well, we're excited for you. I know that's a, a big loss for, for Liberty, but also I know your, your intentions and all of it, certainly in terms of growth, um, you know, are, uh, are, are, are wonderful, you know, and I think I, I, I understand that tension of, um, having to grow and, and, and use your expertise to, uh, lend a helping hand to a different institution while also furthering just the, the study in general. I think it's a, it's a great thing, but I know it's, I can imagine it's hard. Um, 
but yeah, well, I, I can imagine, like I said, they're all so excited to have you two at Southeastern. So mm-hmm. it'll be a fun new adventure. Um, so what do you want to do in terms like, how, what's your vision on despite everything and how to leave well? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, of course, again, not being able to see my students in person uh, for the last classes and for graduation, that's, that's really hard. Um, but of course I think they have it harder. I mean, I'm leaving my job, but they're leaving, you know, without having their graduation and those things. So, so that sort of complicates everything. I, I think I'm not a person who likes change. I, I love not having change. Um, Mm -hmm. and so in a way it's kind of a, it's a mercy that, um, that I'm not relocating at least not right away. And I will still be here in this community and I'll still, we'll still keep our same church because I will, you know, be here on the weekends. Um, and you know, I could, I still plan to read, um, theses and dissertations at Liberty, if I'm requested to in my area, um, that's something they use outside uh, readers to do now and then. Um, so I feel like I will still be able to keep my ties there. Um, mm. And for me, as for my personality, that's just, that's just, like I said, it's, it's a mercy because I'm not good with goodbyes and I'm not good with change. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's a nice transition, or at least I hope that it will be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I know that's, uh, it's, I heard you in terms of change, you know, you, uh, um, that makes sense considering that you spend most of your, uh, hours studying literature, some of it written hundreds of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I never thought about that, but uh, you're exactly right. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not studying current events, although uh, there, but, uh, uh maybe, <laughs> we all are, but, but no, I think that's, uh, that's great. Well, let me, let me segue for a second too. So, um, you know, part of why we wanted to have you on too is because you do have a couple new, uh, books releasing, uh, from a different perspective, not, uh, not all originally written, but it kind of plays on, uh, things that you do love as you're publishing these beautiful literary editions with commentary. Uh, so tell us a little bit about those. And I'm, and I'm, and kind of a quick follow-up question with that is, how did you come to the decision of these two books to release first? So I'll let you. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it's, um, it's B and H came to me with this idea, uh, a few years ago now, actually, I think, um, of doing exactly what I, what I'm doing in this series, which is you know republishing classic works of literature that are in the public domain, um, so anyone can republish them, but doing so in beautiful you know physically beautiful editions with introductions that I write specifically from a Christian worldview um, and with discussion questions. Um, it was their idea. Uh, it you know I I had to I, I don't make decisions quickly or easily. I had to think about it. I got hit by a bus in the meantime and uh, so it just got delayed. On the way um, on the way to that on the way, on the to, way that to that meeting, meeting yes, yes. That, then I was like, whoa, am I supposed to do this? <laughs> um, but you know now that the you know, as soon as I was in the immersed in the process, and now that the books are out and and, and the feedback I'm getting, like this, it's almost like it was a no brainer. Like, of course, we need a Christian literature lover to do this, and 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 some other things um, that uh, that go along with that. Or, for example, as I was doing the writing process and tweeting about it, 
and talking to people, asking them questions. I like to get feedback from my readers. And, and a few of them pointed out how so many of the introductions to classic works, you know, you walk into any bookstore and they've got, you know, cheap paperback editions or annotated editions, all kinds. But the introductions usually include so many spoilers. Um, and so I said, well, that's something I'm, go I'm not going to do. I'm not going to include spoilers in the introductions. I want these to be genuine introductions to anyone who has not read the work and wants to and wants to feel equipped to read it well but still enjoy that process of discovering the story um and so yeah so so it's just something that's common to reprint classic works of literature with introductions yet i think it's just really unique because of the way the introductions are written and the fact of course that they are written for specifically a christian audience mm -hmm. um Picking the books, yeah, that was hard. Like six works of literature from all of your favorites in the world. Um, and so, but it did, it does narrow down pretty naturally. Again, we chose works in the public domain so that we didn't have to deal with copyright issues. Uh, my area of expertise is 18th and 19th century British novels. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I just chose from among my favorites. But at the same time, even from among those, I want to have kind of a balance. So in the first two volumes, you know, what could balance one another more than Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility and Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness, two more opposite works you could not find. And so I wanted that them to be a set to kind of balance each other out. Mm. So cool. I, mm -hmm. I, I would say, you know, we... Uh, um, <laughs> uh, Aaron and I got a text from a, a friend <laughs> giving us grief. So why don't you guys talk about more Christian books on your on your on your books podcast? And we both, Aaron and I, are laughing. Aaron and Aaron knows what I'm talking about. And uh, mm -hmm. and it was it was a genuine question with a joke too. And in the reality, is, like you know, in this podcast, we do we talk about we talk about reading widely. And we talk about reading widely, which makes you ultimately a better reader an analyzer of content and how to understand good story and so on. Um, I would point to like what you're doing with these as a classic example of things we've wanted to highlight because you're absolutely right. I mean, you can analyze the faith of Jane Austen by all means, that's another conversation, but, but looking at books like these with a Christian worldview as the lens you use, it's tremendous. And that is a joy of reading. And that's why for the most part, I'm not bothered by many, many types of books out there because I'm looking at it through that lens. But what I love is that, you know, I, if I, you know, when my girls get old enough to read Sense and Sensibility, I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm sure they will read it for class, you know, at some point, but reading it kind of with this type of guide is so helpful to a Christian trying to understand what's really going on here and questions to ask them on their own life. Um, so I just, I, I, I say this no more than just say like it's fun to see something that really nails something that we try and hit on with our listeners of of how to look at great works of literature, not only to read one genre of book, but to read a variety that ultimately with that lens, you can do wonderful things. So so kudos, you know, and that I, I love those. I, I, I like you, Karen. I looked at these. I'm like, man, you're right. Talk about two totally different types of books. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it did motivate me to read Heart of Darkness, which I had never read before. I'd only seen Apocalypse Now, and 
um, I never had read it. And so I, although I haven't read this edition yet uh, with yours, but I, I look forward to that. Um, but it's, um, but it, it's fascinating. Um, so can you share any preview of what's next? Yeah, well, the ones that I uh, will be working on, uh, you know, and really as soon as my, as soon as my grades are in, um, uh, the <laughs> next two, uh, the next two uh, uh, volumes in the series will be Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Oh, cool! Oh, cool! Yeah, Aaron and Scarlett, have you read any of those? No. Uh, I have done Frankenstein a while back. Um, it's been a long time, but yes. I think I may have read Jane Eyre. <clears throat> I feel like I'm going to get in trouble because I haven't read enough. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the least well-read person on this podcast, but I'm working on I'm working on it. But it's for this is why I'm writing the series, though, because I think mm -hmm. there's so many people out there who kind of have a passing familiarity with these works. Um, but if you never read them in college, you know, they're not necessarily things you would pick up, but maybe want to. And um, so I want them to be inviting um, to those who haven't read them or maybe read them a long time ago. Um, and 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 the neat thing is I really am seeing an increase in the desire to read better works of literature within, you know, within evangelicalism broadly. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just amazing because, you know, part of my story or my testimony is um, that I, you know, I, I became a Christian at a very young age as a little girl, grew up in the church. Um, but I, I almost left the church and left the faith because I didn't see, I didn't see the life of the mind and the life of faith being integrated well. And I thought I had to choose between them. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so it's just this huge, amazing work that God has done in my own life to not only help me reconcile those things, but then to go and use my gifts to serve the church in this way. Uh, and for me to see the church actually hungry for the thing that I have to offer and, um, and, and to see the church just coming into this this stage of of wanting to engage the life of the mind and with that works of literature it's just it's just such a huge blessing i love that um mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stealing a little bit because we were going to do some listener questions here in a bit but this one actually directly follows it up um uh, one of our listeners richard harvison who uh, asked a good question what advice do you have for someone that is starting to get into classic literature hmm. Um, that's a great question. And I do, again, I do think that having a guide like this, and I mean, I, I would say this, even if I hadn't written these books, having a good edition that has a good introduction, a few footnotes, because sometimes just, you know, for example, uh, someone mentioned in a review of, of the sense of sensibility volume, like just sort of understand, just getting a brief understanding. You can't, you actually don't understand the crises in Jane Austen's world if you don't have just a brief understanding of how the inheritance laws works. It's complicated, but if you just have a little bit of knowledge and say, oh, okay, this is what's going on. This is why the characters in this world are you know, facing these really intense decisions because of this thing, um, then you understand the novel so much better. So a little bit of a guide um, and then, you know, ch but choose works that really interest you and engage you, um, but also challenge you. 
there's so many works of literature out there. And so when people feel guilty, like Scarlett just did for not reading something <laughs> like, come, I mean, I, you know, there are a hundred books I haven't read for every book that I've read. That's just an endless, that's just never going to happen that we're going to read everything. Um, and so there's so many to choose from. So choose something, you know, in an era or about a topic that does interest you and, um, and, and it will challenge you. And the other thing, thing the biggest tip is simply it's a different kind of reading and so you cannot skim you cannot just you know speed read you have to slow down and reflect it's so much better to take a long time to read a few pages uh, because this is not reading twitter this is not reading a newspaper it's like going to a museum look at a painting you don't go to a museum to look at a painting to see what a bowl of fruit looks like. You look at you you look at the painting to observe the texture and the strokes and the light to see how the painter has recreated this thing. And it is the same with literary fiction or any literary works. You want to luxuriate in the in the medium, which is words and language, and pay attention to how the language recreates the experience. And so that means slow down, read, pay attention to the language. That's so good. Well, that means I won't feel bad if I, um, every week when we say, what are you reading? If I uh, say the same book, like I'm going to do today, <laughs> the same book from last Well, <laughs> don't, the, don't feel bad at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that, I mean, you guys have heard me on the, uh, on, over the last few weeks be like, it's been really hard to read. Mm -hmm lately and um that's something that more than one person is experiencing right mm -hmm. now you know and um but it's also it's also something that we're experiencing just in our culture too where um i mean to to your point point karen we have um and what was in a recent uh, recent article on the washington post there was um another article elsewhere that uh, was lamenting the fact that um, Americans, and I think it's broader than just Americans, but um, Americans and Westerners have, have more or less lost the art of, of deep uninterrupted reading. Mm -hmm. And, and so that is, you know, when you're, when your life is turned upside down, it's hard to concentrate on just about anything. Um, but even then when there are so many options that are available to us, um, particularly the, uh, you know, the siren song of Netflix, um, or Disney plus or, um, whatever other streaming service is available. Um, especially when, you know, community is back on, um, <laughs> um, so, um, and, and I will fully admit to having, uh, been binge watched about a season of community already, <laughs> but I mean, how do we, I guess, how do we gain, how do we start to learn to gain that, that ability back? Um, Karen, do you have any um, recommendations uh, for that? Yeah. I mean, I, I do want to say I share the struggle. I mean, my attention span is, you know, it was shot before because of Twitter and Facebook, but now it's then it just got even worse because I was drawn to the endless news cycle over the past, you know, few weeks. And, um, you know, it is a metaphor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. So please understand it's a metaphor, but it, but I think it really works. I mean, these deep reading 
muscles, including our attention span and just the way our brain works when we're deep breathing um, is something that needs to be exercised and developed just like any other muscles that we have. I mean, I can, I can literally feel the difference in my mind and it's, it just, I I don't know how to express it, but when, after I've sat down and read a book for 30 or 45 minutes or an hour versus scrolling on Twitter for 30 minutes. And it actually, if I, if I've been scrolling Twitter, then, and I pick up a book, it actually takes me some time for my brain to settle into this different kind of cycle. Now the cognitive research also confirms that we use different parts of our brain, um, different neural pathways when we read in a book versus reading on a screen. Um, Mm -hmm. We use the frontal lobe with a screen and the deeper recesses of the brain when reading in a book. So it really is different. Uh, and, and we can't expect ourselves to just, I mean, I, another thing I did is I, you know, I used to go to the, I had to go to the gym uh, since the accident. And, um, and then with the quarantine, I haven't gone for six weeks. It's been closed. So I finally had some weights delivered to my house. And let me tell you, when I first picked them, I'm sore today because (laughs) I haven't been doing it for a while. And uh, when I tried to lift some weights, you know, I, it, it's, it's going to take me a while to get back into shape. It, the same is true of reading. So we, I think if we understand that and realize it's a discipline, it's a skill, um, and we just have to work on it and be intentional, I think that's, that's the most important thing. That's so interesting. So it said the screen uses a different part of your brain that goes for like a, an ebook too. It's just looking the, at yeah. different the research that I've read, um, did not mention ebooks specifically. And I know that some, e- you know, and I, I'm not that familiar with them, but I know there are different grades of them. Like there are some that more recreate a you know, the book. Um, so it's probably, that's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but really the more you, but from what I understand, like even like an iPad, like reading on an iPad, they're just, it's the light and you're just using a different part of of the brain. If if it's something more like the paper white Kindle, I guess, uh, that doesn't have any distraction that may be different, but the research that I've seen hasn't, uh, didn't distinguish among all those options that are available now. Wow. I wonder too, Karen, how much of it, like, so there's some, I actually appreciate it when an online article up front says, this is a three minute read or a five minute read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just changes the way I look at it. And that's okay. That way I know, okay, great. I can just kind of dig in for that period. I don't have to have that same level. It's concentration, but it's not the same level. Whereas a book, I just know this is a longer experience. So when Mm -hmm. I sit down with a book, my mentality changes in the way I look at the content. Um, doesn't mean I can't get distracted. I just, just my, my kind of, yeah. my kind of posture is toward, okay, this is a longer experience. So therefore I should right. read it differently. Um, well, and it, see Dave, it's interesting that you, you like it when it says stuff like that. <laughs> I get really in, like, I get irrationally angry every time I see TLDR, um, <laughs> on any article and so too long didn't too long didn't read so it's the scannable version that gives you gives you the bullet points that Ah. loses that lose all nuance Mm -hmm. um and most of the actual important details um about anything and so that i think contributes actually to our problem of people reading a headline 
and deciding that they know what's actually going on. Um, I mean, Karen, you, you know all about that from uh, some of our, our lovely evil friends out there. Um, wow. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> yep. I'm just saying. But I think I think that's the point is is that like we have gotten to such a dreadful state with the way that we um, we don't even bother to consume actually even consume even any real information. We expect um, we go for sensationalized headlines. We um, because we want we want the clicks. We want the views. We want all of these things. And so we and and all of that is. All of that kind of starts with this loss of an ability to read well, and and then it's and it has more or less expanded into this um, complete loss of trust or understanding of the fact that there is such a thing as truth, mm-hmm. even. Um, and so that is, it's really troubling to me. Um, this is what, and also, it's really troubling to me that this is what quarantine has done to me, guys. <laughs> that this is the way I'm thinking now, yeah. and uh, I'm not sure I like it. No, I, but, no but, I'm, but I'm with you though. It, it is frustrating right now because of uh, of doing exactly what you were saying, Karen. Too, like I'm just kind of scanning because there's so much news and updated information, and it's relevant and it's important. Um, assuming you're filtering it <laughs> right. But it makes it so I have a really tough time switching to that other gear of that long form reading, even if it is a nice, soft, white, uh, you know, uh, the pages of an actual physical book. Um, It's because my head is just stuck in the bullet pointed headlines of anything, really, regardless of whether they're sensationalist or not. Just the fact that I'm reading for little snippets. Um, you know, I mean, I get the, like a you know, New York times, like daily, which really just kind of links over to articles, but it's helpful because I can scan and say, okay, we don't want to click through for more of the long form reading experience. But the reality is I'm still just kind of looking for short bit content and struggling to kind of get into that deeper level. Um, and can I tell you a funny story? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Karen. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, this is just funny. I heard a younger person say this week. So t- I'm not familiar with TikTok. I'm too old, but you know, TikTok is the new thing and it's like short video clips. I think it's like 30 seconds, 15 seconds. And she said, she said, this is so sad. She's much younger than, than I am. So sad that I found myself wishing I could fast forward the 15 second TikTok <laughs> so I can watch it faster. I was like, wow. Is, <laughs> now here's the question. Is it sad or is it actually just the fact that the that those videos are not worth watching oh man probably both <laughs> i'm gonna go with that one you know what would be worth watching though dave on tiktok <laughs> i would definitely definitely um, subscribe um, to that i can't confirm nor deny i have a tiktok account <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay well i can confirm i can confirm that you have a marco polo account uh, um, that's true that's true that's true i, I, I enjoy I, you know, just sending you I, you know, scout. My job is to figure out uh, recommendations for people in terms of eight engaging uh, with people, and um, uh, I don't recommend either of those all the time. But uh, it's amusing. It's also because I, I'm I like like 
like all this, you know, our kids are curious, like well, they want to know what some of these things are. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to let you have your own, but like, I'll check it out just to see. And it's hard because people repost those things on different platforms all the time. So you kind of know how it works, but. Uh, I have to admit, I also, okay, I'm one of these people who has downloaded it during the quarantine because I wanted to see what it was. <laughs> yeah, and it sure. is pretty fascinating. It's pretty oh, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> My, uh, the 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 ladies primarily in my in my small group they use Marco Polo a lot to um, to talk back and forth throughout the day, which is really great. Um, and so I I downloaded it just to see what it did, and then all of a sudden I got a message from Dave. And, uh, <laughs> really, Marco Polo is great though. It's not social media. It's more like video voicemail. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I just, like I said, I just, I just periodically will take a picture and, uh, or do a short little video because there we go. I <laughs> taking a picture is now taking a video. Um, for, for the, what has for happened the, to me guys? For, what has happened? For the record, Aaron's response was, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but you are doing it. You're right. <laughs> uh, too fun. Too fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, this is good. I got us uh, off track. I'm sorry, Carrie. No. You were probably about to say something brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, well, I was just going to go back to the the problem of kind of shifting from reading, you know, brief bullet pointed things on our social media to reading books. And um, another analogy that I think is helpful is because they're both forms of reading. And I think we can kind of fool ourselves into thinking, oh, we're reading, we're reading. Um, but there are different kinds of reading. And, and, it, and I think there is a sense where if we're, if we spend all this time reading the short bullet pointed um, brief articles, um, and then try to read a book, it's like filling up on McDonald's food and then trying mm-hmm. to sit down to a, you know, a six course gourmet meal, we don't have an appetite for it because we've just kind of used our brain space uh and different parts of our brain for something else and so um again again i guess i just say this to encourage people who are finding the deep slow immersive reading difficult um that yeah yeah you know everything in our culture is putting up obstacles um in front of us making it difficult so congratulations, you're normal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, but we can also, the good news is we can also kind of, we can fight it. So. Yeah. Uh, Karen, what do you, what do you, what kind of questions are your students asking right now? Just about reading, just about how to interpret these distractions, everything. Just curious. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm teaching, um, I'm teaching I'm not teaching a literature class this semester. I taught a research and bibliography class. I'm teaching a, a, a literary literature of the Bible class, which is you know a little bit different, and two writing classes. And so, um, in my writing classes, I, I give I gave some reading assignments, some short books on writing to read and culture making by Andy Crouch because it's I think that's a great book for anyone who wants to write to read. Um, And uh, since these were not mainly English majors and and they didn't anticipate having to read books in a writing class, uh, we had we had a couple of discussions and uh, because they were struggling. And one night they just sat and said to me, no one has taught us how to read. These are juniors and seniors in college. And they didn't mean, you know, they don't can't 
make out the words. They meant that no one has taught them how to read like students, to read reflectively, to underline, to to be able to take a quiz because I give quizzes on my reading. Um, and they were sad. And then I was mad, not at them, <laughs> <laughs> but we are failing. So students know that they are struggling, that they've not been taught how to read, um, to read well. And so um, I think we need to listen to that and to realize, I, I don't know what we're, what else we're doing, but we're certainly not teaching them to read well. And they sense that loss and they want they don't know what to do with it, but I or how to make up for it. But I think that we can guide them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first step is to encourage every college student to start listening to this program. <laughs> uh, we, this, especially, yes, I will. I will tell them all. Perfect. The tips to reading are Excellent. here. So, yes. <laughs> Karen, do you uh, do any of your students ever just quote you? <laughs> just back to in class. Uh. Well, as you said, <laughs> as you said, on reading well, in your commentary for sense and sensibility, uh, that does happen sometimes. Um, yeah, <laughs> in their papers, uh, but then sometimes it'll. It's just it's you'll. I'll hear them uh, saying things that I've said, and they're not necessarily even doing it consciously, but they're echoing back, and you know that. Of course, that makes a teacher proud and happy um, mm-hmm. to hear that. So that's 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 fun. Gotcha. Now, when they quote you in a paper, um, if if that how how often does that happen? Would you say it doesn't happen uh, very often? Um, The papers, the kinds of papers that I assign are you know are not necessarily about the things that I write. If they're writing about a book I wrote about, they might or article that I that I published but um, it doesn't happen that often there was one time when I literally chastised a master's student for writing uh, a paper on a topic that I had written about and I I mean I was you know nice about it but I said you know you should not um, propose a master's level thesis um, to a committee that contains a professor who's written on this and not cite that professor (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah wow It's just, you know, I I mean, my feelings were hurt, but it's just, you know, in a secular institution, um, that would be a very, very bad mood because move because egos are so, uh, so uh, fragile there. But so Mm -hmm. it was more that she needed to know how these things work in the real world. Ah, gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, see, that's helpful for me to know, too, for uh, if I ever go ahead and get a master's degree. There you go. So, yeah. Tip of the day. <laughs> Thank it. you. I appreciate that. Um, I'll see if you can be on my uh, on my review committee. Okay. <laughs> Make sure you cite me. <laughs> I I, I'll cite you even if uh, even if it's not relevant <laughs> to the. Go. <laughs> Love it, Karen. Are there characters or stories right now that are kind of giving you comfort in these times? Ones that you think of just to kind of draw strength let's make an assumption by the way the the word of god is 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 not included in this but uh <laughs> but uh you kind of get me there well you know i i i normally do not uh get to read for fun at all during the um the semester i just don't i'm grading papers i'm prepping for class and i don't give myself that luxury um but i did you know i've had a little extra time not a lot so i have been uh have been reading and um 
And, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, I have tons and tons. I mean, I have, I have, you know, a home library and I've not read half of the books here. So I always just have, I can pick up anything that I've been hanging on to for a while and read it of, and uh, from a wide variety. But I know, I realized that um, the last two books that I read are um, agrarian rural books of, you know, times past. Um, Wendell Berry's Hannah Coulter and uh, yeah. Willa Cather's Oh Pioneers. And I was like, and I have just found those books comforting, uh, you know, about these rural lives in the past um, that were simple and they were happy. And so, I guess it's just kind of a reminder that in this time of self-isolation, like I just want to think about the simpler things um, and the simpler life and realize, you know, we don't need all the things that we have and all the, you know, the things that make up modern life. So um, those are the two books that I've, that I've just finished reading and um, I took comfort in, I guess. So it's more about the setting and the time place than the characters. Sure, sure. Well, um, Hannah Coulter, I absolutely love. I'm, I saw you were reading that, and uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people reference Jaber Crow as as their favorite. Um, Hannah Coulter is kind of my favorite. <laughs> uh, there's just something. Uh, there's something about her and her strength and living such a tumultuous tumultuous life, despite living in a very simple mm-hmm. uh, atmosphere mm-hmm. of, uh, of Port William that I just love. And uh, a lot of just deep truths in the conversations and the way uh, things happen that I, I just adore. So it's, a- and I, I think a book like that, well, both of, both of these, they're, they're just good reminders that, you know, we, <sighs> Is and I don't, you know, putting aside those who are sick and dying and their loved ones, uh, which I know there are many, but for the rest of us who are, you know, there was a meme going around about how, um, you know, you know, in 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 uh, our grandparents were called to serve in the war and we're called to sit on our sofa and watch Netflix. We can do this, you know, right? Uh, for most of us, uh, it is like that, and. Yes, there are some hardships and sacrifices, but reading these books about people who, you know, who lived through wars, who were widowed by war um, and other lived through other plagues and um, and pandemics. I mean, we need to understand that this we're not the first ones to go through something really horrible and we won't be the last. And that's what I think um, these kinds of literary works give us this broader perspective and a sense of history um, to know that, you know, people have always suffered and always will suffer. And yet the human condition is resilient and doesn't change. And there's not that much difference between me and Hannah Coulter. That's a, well, and and I love you and you being a female, of course, make that an association. I love, I love that. I, I just thought it was fascinating. The fact I just figured I would just associate <laughs> people. I can't wait for you guys to make fun of this. Uh, I just, I, I know, you know where I'm going. <laughs> so I'm like, I look at what Hannah's struggle is. I'm like, I have so much empathy for her. And uh, I just find it surprising. I don't know, just as a guy, you know, look at this. I thought like, wow, there's descriptions of what she's dealing with and so on. I thought, ah, oh, it just surprised me how much I enjoyed it. It's not a very long read either. Uh, Jaber Crow is much longer. Um, but you do fall in love with a lot of those characters and you kind of want to learn more. And Wendell Berry does a tremendous job taking you on that journey. And it's subtle. 
I, you know, it's nothing, 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 not much drama happens necessarily, mm-hmm. but when it does, it's powerful enough and you realize, Oh, that's what happens in ordinary life. I can, I can, I can, I can, uh, I can associate more with that. So yeah, very cool. Ah, that's great. Well, Scarlett, do you want to take it from here? Cause I know we've got some interesting questions that we've gotten from listeners. <laughs> yeah, we do have some interesting questions. One that stuck out to me, um, Joe Waller, one of our listeners wanted to know, um, Karen, who are your favorite poets and what do you love about them? And I'm interested in that too, because I have not gotten into poetry very much. So I'm the expert. Well, as we were saying earlier, I don't like change. So my favorite poets are, are some of the older ones. Um, I love, um, I love, of Gerard Manley Hopkins, uh, the 19th century Jesuit poet, whose whose poetry is is experimental and odd and and makes it difficult for some people. But um, it's just it's just something you don't have to get it to appreciate it. You can understand he's making up words and rhythms and just go with it. It's beautiful, profound, um, and he sees Christ um, uh, playing in one thousand places. To to paraphrase one of his uh, one of his lines, his poetry is is so so profoundly theological um i love um john dunn who's very witty and um and and uh and sometimes complicated but again very spiritual um for uh more modern poets i have been reading some wendell berry poetry he's uh, much more accessible and good along with um billy collins i would recommend any uh anyone who's sort of new to poetry to pick them up. Um, Ada Liman is a, um, an Hispanic poet who's, who writes gorgeous, deep poetry. Again, it's very accessible, but she is just um, amazing. Um, and, oh, I don't know. They're just um, one book that I, that I, uh, I have on my phone. I don't really use Kindle, but this is, I wanted to have something. So if I'm ever like, you know, traveling a back road at night, uh, not driving, but writing and needs, <laughs> need something to read besides Twitter. There's a, a collection. I think it's Gar- Garrison Keillor collected like a hundred of his favorite poems or something. And there's such a wide range. Uh, that is really a great book um, with just great poems um, selected by Garrison Keillor. And, and that's a great introduction. Um, so those are a few of the poets that I, I love. That's great. I just, I'm making a list. <clears throat> I love Wendell Berry, but I'm, I'm not very familiar with very much poetry, but I love Wendell Berry. So I'm writing these names down. Thank you. Um, here's another, here's another question that I have <laughs> that we have. Um, Karen. Oh, where did it go? I had, Oh yeah. I want, we want to know where you read. <laughs> Where's your favorite place to read? Oh, um, you know, it depends on the time of year, because I do, I have a couple of places outside at my home um, where I love to read. That you know, it's getting to be this time of year, um, so I have, yeah, I love to sit on the porch and read, or on my back deck and read. Um, and then uh, in the house, I have, um, I have sort of a front room where I do more work, and then uh, in the a living room recri- recliner where I do, you know, I do most of my reading through the day. I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And when um, you're driving, you read your Kindle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that. <laughs> I, Don't we all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh gosh. Do the rest of you all have spots you read in, or just wherever? Uh, no. Um, Go ahead, here. Anywhere I can. Um, yeah. So I have my I have my falling apart chair in our living room. Um, <laughs> and oh, I'm falling apart like the. Chair falling apart. I thought the, you meant like when the you chairs. No, the, <laughs> you the, Aaron no it's not apart. a it's not a metaphor for <laughs> okay, my sorry. for my emotions. I, don't know why I, um, I mean, as we as we know, I have two. I have hunger and anger, and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but no, um, no, it li- it literally is a chair that's falling apart because it is a uh, cheap, uh, you know, cheap height of the early twenty first century uh, construction quality so it's sad and wrong but um much like my desk which is super shaky but uh you know it is what it is mine always depends on where everyone else is <laughs> but uh I, yeah i've got my, my back porch chair and um you know I'm, I'm one of those two i certainly want it to be comfortable but not too comfortable you know what i mean uh there's something about something that makes me sit up a little bit more um they're uh the churchill books is it's like a rock uh i i have to like read that on a kitchen table or something something flat uh which makes it a little bit easier but it just depends so there you go um all right you so can, I'm, oh, I'm, and i'll I'm, just I'm, throw okay. in there you can see some of my reading spots on my instagram uh-huh that's i right. love your instagram it's so beautiful Thank you. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. All right, I have one, well, we I have one more. I have one more question before we get into uh, uh, kind of our, our last final questions. All right. So, if you were to recommend, like, what what are the female characters in literature that every man should truly study in terms of reading? Hmm. So um, that's a that's a good question. So I I think I would say um well this is this is just one of my favorite books. So I'll always find a way to to mention this one regardless of what the question is. Um but it does answer this question well. Um uh Gustave Flaubert's Madame Bovary um is a really great book. Uh Madam, without giving too much away, Madame Bovary is a romantic. Um, she's been she's read too many novels, <laughs> and so she has these expectations of life that will lead inevitably to great disappointment and destruction. Um, and when Flaubert wrote this, he was actually writing against her romantic worldview. But he found that he was really, I mean, there's a famous quote, he says, you know, that, you know, I am Emma, um, Emma, c'est moi in French. Um, So he was seeing himself in her. So even though he was writing a book to critique this romantic woman and her romantic worldview, he understood her and empathized with her. And so I think that's a great story to for men to read um i mean another another work that are often people will talk about in conjunction with madame bovary is anna karenina is dealing with some of the same themes and issues so i'd recommend that as well it's just kind of seeing the world through um the eyes of of women who have these expectations of marriage and men that are disappointed um they're not you know they they are the ones who are in error as well but it's just it's just helpful i think um 
And um, the other novel that I always recommend to go back to, well, I'll be, you know, I'll be producing a new volume of it out next year is, is Jane Eyre, um, which actually it's not so much that a man can read it and understand a woman as it is that any reader can read it and understand what it is to be a modern soul in the modern world who has to forge one's way, be true to oneself in the most Christian sense by not giving in to the temptation to be someone other than who God created you to be um, and to compromise your convictions. So Jane Eyre is actually probably, I think is the, the most important book for all people to read. Um, but I think a lot of men don't read it because it just might seem like, oh, it's a love story for women. And it's absolutely not, um, even though it centers on, on a woman. But it's still, you know, Jane Eyre is a is I mean, she's, you know, her author described her as kind of and she described herself as like a plain, small woman who's unremarkable yet um, on the outside. And yet there's a depth of her soul that I think we should all attain to. I love it. That, those are great recommendations. Mm -hmm. I, I, I figured some would come from ones that I know we've talked about, or uh, even today, but also in the past. But uh, uh, some of those are some surprises too. So I'm, I'm like, like Scarlett was saying, we're all taking notes. Just to, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, because I, I look at too. We all have daughters too, and you want to know, like, who do we? Who do we uh, who do we admire in literature, uh, both male and female? But you know, I'm always curious, just because I have an actual inclination to say, okay, this is going to be male char characters I'm going to associate associate with. But then, as we are reading lately, you know, there's a Hannah Coulter, like what a strong, amazing woman who's ordinary and beautiful and who she is, and um, and leads well from where she is and overcomes some tremendous obstacles that are perhaps ordinary um, and some similarities perhaps to some things that would happen in, uh, um, uh, you know, in the 1800s in England, but still, uh, you know, for the <laughs> sake of America and more 20th century timeframe, uh, it's fascinating. So thank you. It's really, really helpful. Thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. All right, Aaron. All right. So we have the most important question of all right now, which is what is everybody reading? And so Karen, how about we start with you? I'm reading. Um, yeah, I've shifted gears to the 21st century and I and America. <laughs> I'm reading um, the Pulitzer Prize winning novel that just came to my attention. The Overstory by Richard Powers. Um, and he's a scientist and ecologist and a writer. And this is a book about people and trees. Mm -hmm. And it's mm. amazing. His writing is exquisite. I still, I, I haven't read enough to make a judgment about this, the story arc itself, but at the sentence level and the, um, he, he writes almost po like, it's almost like poetry the way he writes. So the overstory. Very cool. Very cool. You know, Dave, I, I seem to recall that's one of the ones that uh, Leif Anger talked about I, a while back. I, I think you're right. Yeah. I mm. love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. All right, Dave, what are you reading? Uh, I am reading Just Mercy by Bar Brian uh, Stevenson. And uh, 
uh, certainly a difficult read in the sense of its topic. You know, I don't know if you guys saw the movie or, of course, read the book. I'm listening to the audiobook, so clarification there. I'm not reading it. I'm listening to it, but I'm still. It's still a read. We we we've talked about that. Uh, it's uh, uh, fascinating. I, I wanted to read the book this way at least before watching the movie, and uh, I'd heard great things about it. And uh, um, I don't know. I'll let you know after I'm done with it. I'm, I I think it's you know it's about the uh, the criminal justice system and overturning, um, uh, inmates death row sentences and, Mm -hmm. uh, one in particular. So have you guys read or seen the movie? No, not yet. Okay. 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 Good. All right. Well, I've been recommended by a lot of people who are smarter than me and challenged (laughs) me in a lot of ways. So I thought, okay, I'll give it a, give it a try. But it's, it's uh, very well done. So there you go. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I'm like I said, I'm still reading misreading scripture with Western eyes, which I'm not very far into it, but I already think every believer should read it because I, I mean, very early on, I'm like, wow, yep, definitely misread, (laughs) misread that parable. It's, it's really, it's really, really good so far. So still there. Fantastic. Well, I am, um, in early days, but I did get into it um, on the book Anyone by Charles Soule. And uh, it is, it's fascinating. Basically, the big idea of it is it's a near future story where, um, where this technology has accidentally been developed in an attempt to um, find a cure for Alzheimer's that has inadvertently allowed people to switch bodies. Huh. And so it's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Karen, this is the most yep. Aaron thing ever, by the way. Right? <laughs> He's on brand. He is. He is. Look, if I'm, how can I, how can I not be? <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Keep going, Aaron. You know, I love you. That's fine. So that's, uh, that's the whole, that's, that's as far as I've gotten so far. And so it is, so it's, uh, it's a bit of a slow burn, um, but I'm enjoying it so far. I'm I'm looking forward to continuing on, and um, and we'll see what happens. Wow, I love it. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So, uh, so I think that uh, I think that took care of all of our big questions for today. So, Karen, thank you so much for for coming back on the show and um, uh, continuing along with Scarlett to help us class up the joint. Um, this is this is really important. You know, we had a rough season. Um, there for a while and, uh, you know, I, but you know, things are getting better. We're going to get, we're going to be okay. Well, thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk to you guys and great to meet you, Scarlett. So great to meet you. Absolutely. And listeners go out and pick up her books. So Karen, where, uh, where can they get these books and how can they follow you? Um, they can follow me most easily at, um, Twitter, KS Pryor um, and Instagram, Karen Swallow Pryor. And the books are available on Amazon, which of course has slowed the shipping down a little bit because of the coronavirus. But Lifeway has both of them uh, deeply, deeply discounted. So it ends up, people have told me it ends up if you get both, um, even with the shipping, it's cheaper than Amazon. So I say go for the for the two for one, or yeah, basically two for one deal almost at Lifeway. So. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. As the uh, Lifeway employee on the show, of course. <laughs> All right, cool. 
All right, everybody. Well, it's been great to chat. Um, I have uh, maintenance workers about to come into my apartment, so um, so it's time for us to wrap this wrap this show. So, listeners, you know what we love most is your affirmation, um, whether it's sincere or not. So please do give us a sincere five star rating and review, or insincere as long as it's five star. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. This is an area code podcast.